Corona back. Corona. I feel so bad for Corona. Their beer is fucked up. They their sales went down. I know. Did you know that? Yeah. Because people are so stupid. They're like, oh, their beer is going to give me this virus. And we're going to tell you about it today on our Spoofy Podcast. <laughs> this is the second podcast that we've started with coronavirus. I love to start the podcast when you don't realize. You That's got me that time. thing to do. You've, you've, been, you've been slacking lately, but you got me that time. Oh, I'm going to get you, bitch. I'm going I'm to get you, bitch. Oh, my gosh. Well, hey, girl. How's hey, it going? Hey, good. How are you? How have you been? I haven't seen you in a long time. I've, uh, you know, it's I've like a been week and a half, so busy. Right? So you... Not last Wednesday, but the Wednesday before that. And now we're recording on a Sunday. Last minute. Yeah. I mean, this is going to go no, out like... this is coming out... Hey, <laughs> this is such a great Thursday afternoon. We're, um, we're not last minute people. It's fine. Can't wait till Sunday. No, Let me tell you. Me. Blame it on me. We've got... So, uh, I've been busy. <laughs> I've been busy traveling. You've been catching coronavirus. For anyone who follows me at Some People Hate Chris, you can tell that I have not posted anything on my Instagram. But... I have been traveling. Because you've been wasted. Wasted, yeah. I, kind of. Um, so last weekend I went on a, a cruise. I, oh, cruise. Well, no, oh, sorry. Cruise? I, it was a cruise. cruise, and I thought it was going to be a relaxing cruise, but it turned out to be a very, like, uh, a booze cruise. Mm. <laughs> Ended up being, I don't like, know any of this. You haven't said much about it. Yeah, because we've been talking about South Padre. We've been stuff. talking about South Padre, yeah, because I just got back from South Padre. So a uh, booze cruise. So me and Savannah booked a last minute cruise and by last minute i mean like typically you want to book a cruise three to six to maybe even a year like 12 months in advance um but oh, we booked it thank you vroom, vroom. uh we booked it two weeks in advance because uh, it was cheap i like just randomly got on and i'm like coronavirus yeah exactly so i was just looking around like oh where are these like you know cruises that was before it was the like big just outbreak. before yeah. the the cruise like it we came out when that now. cruise came back. Yeah, um, could uh, probably could have gotten cheaper prices. You could have gotten coronavirus. Yeah, probably. Um, probably did. I love that people are on the internet on Twitter. They're like, um, <laughs> coronavirus. I'm 20 and healthy, and it looks like I'm going to Milan for lunch. It's only eleven dollars. <laughs> I love that. Like, I flew to Paris for eight cents. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I wish that I was that person. But yeah, I'm like. <clears throat> Thank God for couponing. Yeah, and you're, because just take I have your Lysol with you. Just Lysol. like hold, hold it. Like everyone, anyone. Hey, hey, do you, can I have your password? Right. Get away from me. Well, with the Lysol. people that are going by the mall and they're just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just full of like Lysol. It's made me realize, like, and I'm not necessarily the person who has ever been a germaphobe to begin with, and I'm also not that worried about coronavirus at the same time, but. The whole idea of like watching people and like it, it's made me realize how disgusting people actually people are, are. Fucking gross. Because like you watch them and like people just like sneeze out into the air. And like I know I'm not a perfect person. I'm sure like there's certain certain points where like a cough will hit me like before I'm prepared or like I've got my hand full and just like cough into the air away from people. But I'm not about to turn onto someone and be like, <laughs> like exactly. Or I've seen this gift going around of this like six year old kid licking a metal handrail. And every single time I see it on Twitter, it literally makes me want to vomit oh my so hard. Anyways, so the cruise was good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's hard, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not, like, crazy. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. Yes, you are. Um, and, I mean, I've washed my hands before. Like, I I work with a lot of people, so I wash yeah. my hands quite often. Yeah. I probably wash my hands 
I don't know, five, seven yeah. times a day. But it's also made me realize how much I touch my face too. Like, because yeah, like I try to be much more, too. much more conscious. And like, I'll be sitting there and like in a customer's home, for example. Like, we just got finished discussing because everyone talks about this right now. Everyone's it's a topic of conversation. You can't not do it. So like, I'm in a customer's house. I'm like talking about coronavirus. And I just like scratch my nose. And I'm like, well, just touch my fucking face yep. after we just talk about the coronavirus. Like, mm-hmm. no big deal. That's fine. I've gone from like washing my hands five to seven times a day. To washing my hands like 20 times a day. And you already love moisturizer, so what do you do with that? My hands are so dry. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and I'm just like, moisturize, moisturize. <sighs> I touched the table. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I got to wash my hands. <laughs> well, to, to make you feel a little better, uh, viruses well, viruses are not alive, but uh, viruses can only, quote, unquote, live on metal and glass surfaces for, for oh, an extended that's period good of time. To know. So, like, they die pretty quickly on, like, wooden surfaces and, like, you know, other plastics. things. Plastics, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. when you're looking at, like, um, glass and metal, those are the ones that you have to be more worried about. So, like, when you're opening the door to the bathrooms and stuff like that, be very, like, look for hand sanitizer that you can hold and, you know, wipe afterwards or um, uh, use a paper towel to, to open up the, the door. Those are your precautions there. Uh, but this is all because we're talking about a cruise. So me and Savannah went on the cruise. So a lot of fun. It was actually a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. Uh, I wore sunscreen the entire time that time, uh, which was fun. And like I was hoping for a nice relaxing trip, uh, but we ended up making uh, friends, and I absolutely loved that. I loved that about that. We met Jamie. We met uh, Lavina and Crystal. Uh, shout out to you guys if you're listening to our podcast. Because I told you guys to listen to our podcast. Yes. How did you beat drag queens named Crystal <laughs> on the cruise ship? She was on How My Babies. <laughs> I loved it. Love you, Crystal. Crystal, Crystal the beige. <laughs> she wanted to have my swirl, swirly babies, as she called it. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Swirly babies. She's a beautiful black princess, and I love them. Um, they are not. They're not swirly. She wanted them to be swirly. I was into it. Oh. <laughs> so I say swirly. I'm just like head in a toilet. <laughs> uh, so no, we very much enjoyed their company, and it was a lot of fun. Um, but they, we like they like to party, so we partied, and we bought the drink package, and uh, Savannah took that as a personal vendetta. We, I did, did not have, have I did not have any white claws, which would have been a really smart thing to do. So they didn't have white claws. They had Trulies, though. I didn't have white claws. Disgusting! <laughs> oh my god! We might as well just fucking. I don't even know if I. Had... <laughs> Jamie's mom kept it like so. She'd have like twelve drinks at the end of the night, and she's like, "I don't want to drink anymore." So then she'd like go and like every because you can only buy drinks every five minutes on your drink package. So like she'd buy oh a truly. Why did they have a minute? They had like Is it really the, like a minute you can only buy a five drink minutes, every yeah. five minutes. Every five minutes you can only buy a drink. Yeah, because like they wanted to like have make you pace yourself essentially. It made, well, it made sense. Yeah, but five minutes is not not a that long. Zone. It should have been fifteen minutes. But I'm not. I'm hey, not criticizing. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm not criticizing. Because me and Savannah would buy that. like a drink and then we wait five minutes and buy a shot. So like it worked. It was smart. Um, well, for us. Also, I guess they do that so that you can't be like, I'll take two of these exactly. and then go get one or double person. shots they, they didn't they don't let you do double shot stuff like that's because if you, can't you have ask, a double gin and tonic mm-mm. so if you ask for a double that's two drinks and you can't do that because that's two drinks in five minutes you can't do that oh my god it's gonna take me literally hours to get wasted no no false because they make those drinks strong hmm so when because I thought going on the cruise like oh fifteen drinks is like not that much like I'm gonna need because you can bring on wine you could also sneak on alcohol so I was like oh well I need to do that no girl 
you can get very drunk on those because like me and savannah even like the first day that we like the first full day we didn't get mimosas in the morning because we wanted to like save our drinks for the rest of the day and then we ended up at the end of the night and, like we were drunk at like 11 drinks we're like we got to drink these drinks and so savannah took it on her personal self to say like we need to finish all 15 drinks that we get a day so every single day we got wasted <laughs> like very drunk <laughs> we we need to send a letter to the catholic church to canonize savannah yeah she's a saint she's a saint she kept me upright most of the time <laughs> i want to know You've been on a cruise before. Oh, I've never been yeah, on a yeah. cruise before. This is my fourth one. How I would re- uh, how would my body be like? How would I react to drinking on a m- moving vessel? Do you get uh, car sick or seasick? I've gotten car sick before. I've, I've never might, been on yeah. a. You probably boat need long the dopamine or not dopamine. What's the? Uh, dramamine. Dramamine. There you go. Uh, patches like they put in the back of the. Turn ear. that shit I it off. Oh no! I was listening to RuPaul's Drag Race earlier. That's why. Listen to our Ruby podcast out now. Out now, honestly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you probably need the driving me patch. But uh, that's what that was one thing that like kind of fucked me and Savannah up when we got back. Is that like first of all we were drunk the entire time, and (laughs) uh, we were drunk for like seven days. We were on the ship, and the ship was a smaller ship, so it was rocking a lot more. Um, And so when we got back, we were like, uh, we both like didn't talk to each other about it, but we were like, like both individually, like we're like really busy. Like, is this normal? So then finally we addressed it on like Tuesday. So like full 24 hours of after being back. Uh, and she's like, yeah, I've been like really dizzy and like not feeling well. And like, yeah, that same here. So we looked it up. It's apparently a thing that like when you're on a cruise, you can, it can like mess up your balance kind of thing. And it feels like you're still on the cruise ship. Yeah. Know? Still, still being rocking back and forth. I remember after I'd have like swim meets and I would do the 500. Mm-hmm. Which would usually take me probably. How long did it used to take me? Do the five. You mean five hundred meters? Five hundred yards. No, five hundred meters. Yeah, five (laughs) hundred meters. The fuck. (laughs) Anyways, it's twenty six laps. Yeah. And I would get out of the five hundred meters. You mean five thousand meters? Twenty six laps of. Of Oh, of a pool swimming. Damn it. Dumb girl. (laughs) I thought you meant like running around a track. I'm like each track is like eight hundred meters, isn't it? Anyways, continue. <laughs> um, anyways, I would get out and like things would be like wavy. Yeah. For like 10 minutes. Yeah. And you're like, this is what it feels like Wa- to be drunk. Water I've never done you. that. <laughs> I'm so drunk. I don't do that. <laughs> I'm just going to swim 26 <laughs> meters. Yeah. Cut water to fucks me. With you. Yeah. <laughs> now. Like, so yeah, we were both like that. So then I basically needed a vacation from a vacation. And my friends Monica and uh, Michelle were like, hey, let's go to South Padre Island. We'd love to, you know, have you. And at first I was like, I can't go, like, a vacation right after a vacation. But I totally did. And How did you manage to do that with Randall? We only had uh, a couple of uh, appointments this week. So, and, like, Ingeborg didn't have any appointments. So I was just like, oh, well, I'm leaving on Friday and Saturday, so Ingeborg can have them. Because <laughs> I, I got three appointments and she didn't get any. So I was like, well, she can, I'll literally block my schedule so that she can have them all. And I'll go directly to her instead. So, hmm. oh, that must be convenient for her to be the, the which the backup. No, the like the planner. Yeah, like the office manager, and then so she's not supposed to be the office manager anymore. But <laughs> we'll discuss. She's still that. doing it. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah. So it, like the this weekend was a lot of fun, but I did not wear as much sunscreen as I should have. So let me show you. I'm gonna show you. Hold on, I'm getting up. Holy Christ! Look at that. That's. 
obnoxious. Burns. Burns. Yeah, so I lay down. How was your actual back? Uh, not bad. Hold on. Ooh, oh, no, baby, that's bad. Ooh. Not, not that bad. It's pink, but, like, not that bad. Oh, girl. <laughs> I work in cosmetics. It's bad. It's not as aggressively bad as my legs are. Melanoma. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how much sunscreen I wear every day? Well, so I actually put, like, two coats on my back. Do you know for an average day where I just walk from my fucking door to the car, I wear SPF 50? Oh, God. <laughs> You're ridiculous. No. That's what you should be doing. No. Yeah, I know. I need, if I you want really to age gracefully. The back was an accident. The legs were on purpose. But I was trying to tan my legs because I've never actually had, like, major sunburns on my legs. Well, the hair is, a, I mean, that's a physical Exactly. Sunscreen. That's what I, I was hoping, yeah. Well, that's like the not front enough. of me is not burned at all. And I definitely laid on, my, laid on my back so that the front was visible to the sun much more than the rest of my body. So I'm really confused how my back and legs got that sunburn. But regardless. Oh, my God. Whatever. Do um, you know what else is red sometimes? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> uh, I think you do. I do know. Oh, wait. Yeah, that's fine. You just go for it. Uh, so <clears throat> tomatoes. <laughs> Let's but talk. do you know what kind of tomatoes aren't red yellow tomatoes yeah yeah sunshine tomato company uh there's a new color in the pasta sauce aisle and it is yellow yellow uh the sunshine tomato company makes delicious all natural pasta sauce made exclusively with yellow tomatoes that's right yellow tomatoes these golden beauties are lower in acidity than their red cousins making them a heartburn free alternative no sugar added, gluten-free, and heartburn-free. Oh, Love that. Check out Sunshine Tomato Company products on their website at www.sunshinetomatocompany.com and be on the lookout for them in your grocery store. And hey, for you online shoppers, if you use the promo code SUN2020, you'll get 20% off of your online purchase through April 30th. Yes. You know what else is really great? What? Relaxation, as we were just talking about. I have never been relaxed. You want me to tell you something? What? I'm going to tell you about baked bones for a second. All right. A recent Gallup poll shows that Americans have reported feeling stress, worry, and anger at the highest levels in over a decade. While we are growing more and more aware of the effects of stress on our bodies and minds, we may not have considered the effects that our stress can have on our pets, our beautiful furry friends. According to a 2019 study, there is a synchronization between stress hormones in humans and their dogs. If you are a dog parent, you probably know that your pup is very good at reading your body language and can quickly pick up on how you're feeling. We're always working to reduce our own stress in any way that we can, but what about the anxiety that we may have passed on to our dogs? Baked Bones has a solution. CBD has been shown to help reduce stress and anxiety in both humans and dogs, and Baked Bones has your dog covered. Made from organic, human-grade ingredients and full-spectrum hemp oil, their bones may offer some relief to your anxious pup. Check out Beck, I'm sorry. Check out bakebones.com for more information on CBD for dogs and the other benefits it may provide. Baked Bones offers free shipping on all orders over $25, and you can save 10% now through April 15th with promo code SPOOPY, S-P-O-O-P-Y, 1-0. Baked Bones is LGBTQ owned and operated and is based in Houston, Texas. Baked Bones proudly donates 10% of all their profits to no-kill shelters in the United States. 
Do you know who needs that right now? Fucking Morky. Yeah, Morky is. Is she crying? Yeah. Morky. She's sad girl. Here, Morky. Come here, Morky. Morky. Want some big bones? Uh, yeah. You want to talk about some spoopy stuff? I do. I do. I, I would love, love to talk, talk about, about some spoopy stuff. stuff. Uh, I don't remember who goes first because we last episode we uh, two episodes we talked together. So we're just gonna go for it. Uh, rock paper scissors. Yeah, let's do it. Ready? Wait, rock, rock paper scissors shoot. No, no. Rock, so paper, rock paper scissors. scissors. Okay. Yeah. Ready? And winner gets choice. Yeah, I guess so. Rock, rock paper scissors. Uh, <laughs> I'm a winner, baby. Scissors versus paper, bitch. So I'm going to tell you about something that's <clears throat> very prevalent. Mm-hmm. The, this is the perfect topic for you right now because oh, you're so scared. I'm panicking. I love it. Do it. Also, there was a coronavirus outbreak or a positive test two miles away from Memorial City Mall. So. Oh, my gosh. Something else that's... Uh, Communicable. <laughs> the 1918 influenza pandemic. Or was, yeah. I, it's still the same thing. Yeah. It's just more treatable. Yeah. No. Um, so, 1980, or 1918, 1980. 1980. <laughs> 1980 influenza pandemic. Uh, have you ever had the flu? Uh, yeah. I've when I was it. younger. I I haven't had it since I've been older, which is fantastic. I love Honestly. that. Get your flu shots. I Always. had the flu when I... I lived in Canada, so I was probably six mm-hmm. when I had it. I think I was nine. Fourth grade? Was that no- nine? I think I was nine. 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 Because my little, this is a disgusting story, but my little brother, like my mom came to bring me, you, you know, for some reason I love Taco Cabana, and I don't know why, because it's not fantastic food, but I love it. Um, and I love their bean and cheese tacos. Well, here's the story. So my mom was bringing me bean and cheese tacos, um, and so me, like, she brought my little brother because he was too young to be in school at that time. Or no, he was sick. No, no, he was too young to be in school. So maybe that was third grade. Anyways, regardless. So he, she brought him as well. And so, like, we're there eating. And whenever you, like, in elementary school, whenever your parents brought you food. Oh, you or, got, like, to, got to sit at the special table. You got to table. sit at the special table? Yeah. Yes. So, of course, we're sitting, like, these special tables in, like, this little area, the the uh, 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 cafeteria. And my little brother, like, projectile vomits all over these tables. And, like projectile vomits all over these tables, and so like of course it turns into like this big, huge, embarrassing mess. Janitors uh, are cleaning it up, all that other stuff. For um, two weeks, they called you vomit brother. Probably, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't think there was anything that ever came from that, but or I don't remember. Maybe I just put it in the back of my mind and hit it away. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, vomit brother boy. <laughs> so uh, that night, like literally, not even twenty four hours after that had happened. Me and my mom both ended up getting really sick. Uh, so like, when I was when you're younger, you don't want to like vomit by yourself or like be you know disgusting by yourself. So like, I felt myself vomiting. So like, I ran into my parents' bedroom to go wake them up. Like, hey, I'm vomiting. Like, I feel sick. Blah blah. blah. Oh well, God, of course, my mom was already out. vomiting on the toilet, and so I vomited in their like bathroom floor because <laughs> oh. <laughs> she was in there. <laughs> like, I'm like, mom, dad, I don't feel good. And like vomit on the floor because I couldn't get into the bathroom. <laughs> so yeah, both me and my mom ended up getting the flu at that time. And I think that was the last time I had the flu. Like, officially. Officially. Wow. Had the flu. Yeah. I don't remember really having the flu. I remember uh, I was very ill and we had to go to the hospital. Mm. Um, and we lived in Montreal at the time. So we had to go to the French hospital. 
Hello. And I had to stay overnight. No. Oh my god, I was so scared. I, I don't know. I enjoyed staying in the hospital whenever I stayed there. Well, they had these like little kids' rooms where it was like, there's books all over the wall. And oh, yeah. Caterpillar. <laughs> but I was like, I don't want to be here, Mom. <laughs> I was high like, on drugs, so. You have to be here. Because whenever I cry, my mom cries, and vice oh, yeah. versa. You have. Uh, uh, so you feel emotions together. Well, you know. Yeah. And I, she was like, felt so bad for you. <laughs> and I was like, I don't remember shit. <laughs> but I guess I was released the next yeah. day. There you go. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about that. Let's talk about the flu. Um, so <clears throat> the first of the two deadly pandemics involving H1N1, mm-hmm. the influenza virus. The second was uh, in 2009, first in 1918. Mm-hmm. Uh, it infected 500 million people around the world, or about 20% of 27% of the world's mm-hmm. population at the time, um, which was between 1.8 and 1.9 billion, mm-hmm. including people on the isolated Pacific Islands and the Arctic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the death toll is estimated to have been anywhere from 17 million to 50 million. Which is what percent of how many people uh, were infected? 27%. No, of the people who were infected. Oh, uh, 17 million of the 500 million? Mm-hmm. Is that's impressive. That's, that's very large. Is 50, 50, 10% of 500? 10%? No, 10% of 500,000 is 50 million. 500 million. 500 million. Is, so it would be 50 million. Yeah. 50 million. So how many people died? Uh, we're not good researchers on this episode. Okay. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, Death toll, yeah, seventeen million to fifty million. Okay, so oh, so yeah, so ten percent, yeah, yeah. It was that's why that's why I was asking because I knew that it was a massive like per, possible death toll. Yeah, um, possibly it says as high as a hundred mm-hmm. million, which mm-hmm. would be twenty percent. <coughs> Coronavirus, uh, making one of the deadliest epi- epidemics in human history, Histor- historical and epi- oh, shit. <laughs> Epidemiologist, ep- epidemiological, ep- ep- epidemiological, epidemiological. Okay, there you go. We've been drinking. <laughs> We've been drinking. I can screw up that word. We've been drinking. Um, are inadequate to identify exactly where it started. Who are you taking a picture of? I know, I'm trying to actually do Instagram stuff because we almost never do it. <laughs> I posted that picture of Gigi. Oh, my <laughs> God. Uh, infectious diseases are already limited life expectancy in the uh, 20th century, but life expectancy in the United States dropped by about 12 years in the first year of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Most influenza outbreak, outbreaks disproportionately killed the very young and the very old with a higher survival rate for those in between. But the Spanish flu pandemic resulted in a lot higher than expected mortality rate for young adults. Mm-hmm. They have like what they call a W curve. W so very curve. young, middle aged, and then very old. Oh, so the middle aged did not were not infected. So no, they died. Oh, they, they did were die. Very oh. infected. Okay. Yeah, I think it's probably like uh, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, to maintain morale, wartime censors minimized early reports of the illness and mortality in Germany, the United Kingdom, France, and the United States. Papers were free to report the epidemic's uh, effects in neutral Spain, such as the grave illness of King Alfonso the Ninth. Ninth? Thirteenth. Roman numerals are stupid. <laughs> Is it X3? X3. That's 13. Yeah. <laughs> Nine? Even if it was VIII, it would have been still eight. It wouldn't have been right. Listen, let me tell you something, okay? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> These stories. Okay, let's just keep laughing. Yeah. 
Anyways, algebra in the fifth grade was not my strong suit. <laughs> not the same thing. <laughs> These stories created a false impression of Spain being especially hard hit, giving the rise to the pandemic's nickname, Spanish flu. Mm -hmm. Scientists offer several explanations for the high mortality rate of the 19, uh, 1918 influenza pandemic. Some analyses have shown the virus to be particularly deadly because it triggers a cytokine storm, which ravages the stronger immune system of young adults. In contrast, a 2007 analysis of medical journals from the period of the pandemics found that the viral infection was no more aggressive than previous influenza strains. So In what changed? Oh, Instead, malnutrition, overcrowded medical uh. camps and hospitals, and poor hygiene promoted bacterial superinfection. Because of the war. Mm -hmm. uh. The superinfection killed most of the victims, typically after a somewhat prolonged deathbed. The major troops... That far. <laughs> wow. The major troop staging and the hospital camp in Etaples in France was identified by researchers as being the center of the Spanish flu. Why well, I got it? So you just gonna steal somebody's flu? <laughs> I'm just gonna take this. Yeah, it's a French flu. So it's a French flu, not the Spanish flu. <laughs> uh, the research was published in 1999 by a British team led by virologist John Oxford. And in late 1917, military pathologists reported the onset of a new disease with high mortality that they later recognized as the flu. The overcrowding, uh, overcrowded camps and hospitals were ideal sites for the spreading of a respiratory virus. And the trenches. Mm -hmm. the trenches were a big deal, too. Oh, yeah, and it's fucking wet. Yeah. Uh, the hospital treated thousands of victims for chemical attacks and other casualties of war. Uh, and 100,000 soldiers passed through every camp every day, or through most camps every day. Mm -hmm. uh, it was home to a piggery. Uh, excuse me? A piggery. What does it mean? A place where you keep pigs. Okay. Uh, <laughs> keep <a> pigs. <laughs> and poultry. <laughs> was regularly brought for in for food staples from surrounding villages. It's French. Should I say villages? No. Anyway. Uh, Oxford and his... I'm Nikki Doll. Oxford's... <laughs> <laughs> Can't get the podcast. word conquered, right? I said conquered, right? Not you, Nikki Doll. Oh, yeah. Conquered. 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 Concute. Listen, I can't say epidemiologist. Uh, yeah, so. that's fine. Uh, Oxford and his team postulated that a significant precursor virus harbored in birds mutated and then migrated to pigs and then migrated to people. Uh, there have been claims that the epidemic originated in the United States. Historian Alfred W. Crosby claimed that the flu originated in Kansas. And popular, popular author John Berry described Haskell County as the point of origin. It has been claimed that by late 1917, there had been already a few, uh, already been a first wave of the epidemic in at least 14 US military camps. There's multiple. One <laughs> of the few regions in the world seemingly less affected by the 1918 flu uh, pandemic was China, where uh, tables have turned. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> where they may have been a comparatively mild flu season in 1918. Although this is disputed around the globe, uh, there were relatively few deaths from the flu in China compared to other regions of the world. This has led to the speculation that the 1918 flu pandemic originated from China. The relatively mild flu season and lower rates of flu mortality in China in 1918 may be explained due to the fact that the Chinese population had already possessed acquired immunity to the flu virus. Yeah, so maybe 
it it maybe it started in China and then they had already like had the like lesser version of it. So they already had like the receptors and like antibodies for that. Yeah, exactly. Which is possible. Mm -hmm. It's very possible. And that's possible, like the same ideas for the coronavirus. It's possible this came about in the same way. Yeah. For this one in particular, it's like crapshoot. Yeah. Roll the dice. Yeah. Sure. Came from there. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Earlier hypotheses put forward varying points of origin for the epidemic. Some hypothesized that the flu originated in East Asia a common area for transmission of disease from human to or animals to humans because of dense living conditions. Mm-hmm. In 1993, Claude Hanoun, the leading expert on the 1918 flu for the Pasteur Institute, asserted that the former virus was likely to have come from China. It mutated in the U.S. near Boston and then spread to Brest, France. Europe's battlefields, Europe and the world with allied soldiers and sailors as the main disseminators. Well, also the wet, terrible, crowded conditions of the of World War One. People don't like we because yeah. obviously World War Two, like media came out like for Vietnam. That's why like the biggest war like that was like televised was Vietnam. But mm-hmm. like people don't talk about the atrocities like World War One, like the living conditions that people had to live in. That's Awful. when like gangrene became like a huge deal that you because would just get from you would just get it wearing you, your boots. For you didn't even have to like have an weeks. injury on your foot. You could just get gangrene just by living there. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it sounds perfectly natural, not natural, but like natural. You know what I'm saying? Because World for, War Two or World War One was. Trench war. Three or three years, four years? It was fifteen through eighteen, so three, four years. Yeah. yeah. So and 14? that's people living through yeah. all of um all of the seasons. Yeah. Exactly. All year long. Exactly. And in Europe. The seasons in Europe. Yeah. Fucking which are cold harsh. and wet. Yes. Summers are good. Mm-hmm. Love the summers. Briefly. Don't want it. <laughs> spring's all right. Yeah. Don't want any fall winter. Yeah. Don't don't want that. Um spring is wet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just get some paper towels. <laughs> um, uh, he considered several other hypotheses of origin, such as Spain, Kansas, and Brest, as being possible, but not likely. Political scientist Andrew Price Smith published data from the Austrian archives suggesting the influenza had earlier origins beginning in Austria in early 1917. 2014, historian Mike Humphrey, Mark Humphreys, argued that the mobilization of 96,000 Chinese laborers to work behind the British and French lines may have been the source of the pandemic. Humphreys of the Memorial University of Newfoundland in St. John's, Canada. <laughs> Surprise! 1918, it was still... To your home province. Brit- I'm not from St. John's. No, I'm sorry. Home province. Not my home province. Is that Nathan? No? I'm from New Brunswick. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Why didn't you learn something about me? New Brunswick was in... No, it's Newfoundland and Labrador and then New Brunswick. Two different provinces. One of them is a fucking island. Whoops. I don't know about Canadian geography. I don't have to. <laughs> I'm American. I'm American. <laughs> I am American. Stop it. Um, based on his conclusions <laughs> on newly unearthed records, uh, he found uh, archival evidence that a respiratory illness that struck northern China in November 1917 was, an ident- was identified a year later by Chinese health officials as identical to the Spanish flu. Okay. A report published in tw- 2016 in the Journal of Chinese, Medis- Chinese Medical Association found no evidence that the 1918 virus was imported to Europe via Chinese and South Asian soldiers and workers. 
It found that evidence, evidence that the virus had been circulating in the European armies for months and possibly years before 1918. Mm-hmm. The spread. Do it. When an infected person sneezes or coughs, this is very important for us now. Yeah. More than half a million virus particles can spread to those nearby. Close quarters and massive troop movements of World War I hastened the pandemic and probably both increased transmission and augmented mutation. The war may also have increased the lethality of the virus. Most speculate that the soldiers' immune systems were already weakened by malnutrition as Mm -hmm. well as the stresses of combat and chemical attacks increasing their susceptibility. A large factor of the worldwide occurrences of the flu was increased travel. Modern transportation made made it easier for soldiers, sailors, and civilian travelers to spread the disease. In the ninth, or in United States, the disease was first observed in Haskell County, Kansas, January 1918, prompting local doctor Loring Miner to warn the U.S. Public Health Service Academic Journal. On March 4th, 1918, company cook Albert Glitchell, Gitchell, Gitchell. Uh, from Haskell County reported sick at Fort Riley, an American military facility that at the time was training American troops during World War I, making him the first ever recorded victim of the flu. Because I feel like what was happening was that they were getting sick over in the trenches, and they were coming back and, like, being sick, mm-hmm. and, you know, getting it everywhere. Well, this is a training facility. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, just somebody who's coming back to train them. Yeah. Um, within days, 522 men at the camp had reported sick. By 11th of March, 1918, the virus had reached Queens, New York. Failure to take preventative measures by, in March or April was later criticized. Mm. In August 1918, a more virulent strain appeared simultaneously in Brest, France, and in Freetown, Sierra Leone. And in the U.S., Boston, Massachusetts. The Spanish flu was also spread through Ireland, carried there by returning Irish soldiers. The Allied of World War I came to call it Spanish flu because of the greater press attention it was receiving in neutral Spain. Spain wasn't involved in the war and had not imposed wartime censorships. Okay. Mortality. Around the globe, it's estimated that one-third of the global population was infected. And the massive, the, massive mm, amount. The WHO... The World Health Organization mm-hmm. estimates that two to three percent of those who were infected died. Yeah. So were um, the uh, was World Health Organization a, a thing back in the uh, early 1900s? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's fairly new, but it's there. Hey, oh, looky. She didn't have a line the whole time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> estimates estimates vary as to the total number of who died. An estimate from 1991 said it killed. 25 to 39 million people. Uh, a 25 estimate puts death toll at probably 50 million, less than 3% of the global population, and possibly as high as 100 million, more than 5% of the population. Mm-hmm. But uh, reassessment in 2018 estimated the total to be only about 17 million. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of different ones. Yeah. But they weren't really good at record keeping. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it infected, the possible that it infected 2 to 3% of the population globally. No, you said 25%. 25 to 39 million people. No, you said 500 million earlier. At the start of the podcast, infected, not died. Infected 500 million people. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a quarter of the population. Well, this is the who's. Okay. Who's estimate. So they're 
keeping it low. Did you get that part? Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a world population of 1,800 to 1,900 million. Uh, these estimates correspond to be between 1 and 6% of the population. Flu killed more uh, in 24 weeks than HIV AIDS killed in 24 years. Wow. However, the Black Death killed a much higher percentage of the world's population because it was smaller. And also because all the population was in Europe, and mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what was hit. Ouch. Um, which I you can listen they had to a little bit of Black Plague in China. Didn't they they? Did, did start in China. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you want to listen about the history Black of Black Plague, Plague, go listen to episode 24. <laughs> What do we uh, call it? I don't Something remember. stupid? Uh, I'm sure all of our episodes are stupid. Yes! <laughs> um, <clears throat> the de- disease killed in every area of the globe. As many as 17 million people died in India, about 5% of the population. The death toll in India's British rule districts was 13.8 million. Mm. Um, estimates for the death toll in China have varied widely, a range which reflects the lack of centralized collection of health data at the time. Uh, because they were they were in a warlord period, the first estimates of the Chinese death toll was made in 1991 by Patterson and Pyle, which estimated China to have a death toll between five and nine million. However, the 1991 study was later criticized by later studies due to flawed methodology, and newer studies have published estimates at a far lower lower mortality rate in China. For instance, <laughs> Ijima. I can't help you. I I J I M A. Why so many eyes? Ijima. Can't you just use I, one? Ijima. Ijima. Yeah. Uh, 1988 estimates that the death toll of China was to be about one to 1.2 million, based on data avila- available from Chinese port cities. Patterson and Pyle, in their study, the 1918 pandemic in uh, 1918 influenza pandemic, tried to estimate the number of deaths by the Spanish influenza in China as a whole. They argued that between 4 and 9.5 million people died in China, but this total was based purely on the assumption that the death rate was a 1 to 2.25% in 1918, because China was a very poor country, similar to Indonesia and India, where the mortality rate was, was of that order. Mm-hmm. Clearly, their study was not based on any local Chinese statistical data. Yeah. Says what but at the same time, when you get into like those poor countries, it makes it harder to actually measure like who and what. Like yeah, who, people will be dying. Dead. Yeah, people be dying. But it's like, did they die from the flu? Did they like just die? <laughs> <laughs> he choked. That's that's terrible die. for me to joke about, but like it's true. Like it's as simple as that. Like, did he die from something else, or did he die from the flu? Like. Eating uh, something poisonous. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, <laughs> so that's what our our homeboy Ujima says. <laughs> our homeboy. Uh, the lower estimates of the Chinese death toll are based on the low mortality rates that were found in Chinese port cities. For example, Hong Kong, on the assumption that poor communications prevented the flu from penetrating the interiors of China. Uh, However, some contemporary newspapers and post office reports, as well as reports from missionary doctors, suggest that the flu did penetrate uh, the Chinese interior and that influenza was bad in some locations in the countryside. In Japan, 23 million people were affected, with at least 390,000 reported deaths. In the Dutch East Indies, India, or now Indonesia, 1.5 million people were assumed to have died among 30 million inhabitants. Wow. A lot. 
Yeah. In Tahiti, 13% of the population died during one month. Wow. Similarly, in Samoa, 22% of the population of 38,000 died in two months. Wow. God. Mm -hmm. In New Zealand, the flu killed an estimated uh, 6,400 Europeans and 2,500 indigenous Maori in six weeks. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey Rice has found that Maori died at eight times the rate of Europeans. So those numbers are skewed. So New Zealand, uh, I understood a little bit of history whenever I visited New Zealand. Just a, as a side fact, they actually like respected Ooh. a little bit more oh, of their. <laughs> she travels. That's great. No big deal. Um, they like tried their best to actually respect their native people that they were like there with, and like try and be nice to them. Um, so like, of course, they tried to like leave them like be, but like at the same time, when you're you have that distance, of course, you have a resistance toward more of a resistance towards Western diseases than the indigenous people exactly exactly so of course whenever that ended up transferring that of course ravaged them much more than into Europeans. exactly uh in iran the mortality rate was very high Mm -hmm. according to an estimate between 902,400 and 2.4 million or 8 to 22 percent of the total population died and iran at the time was I mean, it's that was just coming off of the, the Ottoman Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> In the U.S., about 28% of the population of 105 million became infected, mm-hmm. and 500,000 to 675,000 died mm-hmm. to uh, 0.48 to 6.64% of the population. Yeah. Um, Native American tribes were particularly hard hit. In the Four Corners area, there had uh, there were three point two registered or three point two thousand registered deaths among Native Americans. Entire Inuit and Alaskan Native villages communities died in Alaska. <clears throat> in Canada, fifty thousand fifty yeah fifty thousand died. In Brazil, three hundred thousand died, including President Rodriguez Alves. Uh, in Britain, as many as two hundred fifty thousand died, and in France, more than four hundred thousand. In Ghana, the influenza epidemic killed at least 100,000 people. Tafari Maknonen, the future Haile Selassie, emperor of Ethiopia, was one of the first Ethiopians who contracted influenza but survived. Many of his subjects did not. Estimated for fatalities in the capital city, capital city Addis, Baba, Addis Adaba, mm-hmm. uh, ranged from 5,000 to 10,000 or higher. Wow. British Somaliland, uh, one official estimate that 7% of the native population died. Huge death toll resulted from an extremely high infection rate of up to 50% and the extreme severity of the symptoms, suspected to be caused by cytokine storms. Uh, symptoms in 1918 were unusual, usually consisting of uh, <coughs> influenza to be misdiagnosed as dengue, cholera, or typhoid. Because those were all much more prevalent at the time. Mm -hmm. More deadly, too. Yeah. Oh, my God. Coronavirus is making It's getting you. They got me, gal. Uh, One observer wrote, One of the most striking of the complications was hemorrhage from the mucous membrane, especially from the nose, stomach, and intestines. Bleeding from the ears and pedicle hemorrhages on the skin also occurred. The majority of deaths were from bacterial pneumonia, a common secondary infection associated with influenza. 
The virus also killed people directly by causing massive hemorrhaging and edema in the lungs. Edema. Mm -hmm. uh, the unusual severe disease killed more than 2.5% of those infected, as opposed to the usual flow epidemic mortality rate of 0.01%. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the pandemic mostly killed young adults. Interesting. Well, also because... The it, war. Yeah, the war. Uh, 1918 to 1919... 99% of pandemic influenza deaths in the U.S. occurred in people under 65, mm -hmm. and nearly half in young adults aged 20 to 40. In 1920, the mortality rate among people under 65 had decreased sixfold to half the mortality rate of people over 65. But still, 92% of the deaths occurred in people under 65. Shut up! <laughs> so weird. Uh, this unusual in, uh, this is unusual since influenza is typically most deadly to weak individuals, such mm. as infants under the age of two, adults over the age of 70, and immunocompromised people. Yeah. Uh, in 1918, older adults may have had partial protection caused by exposure to the 1980, or 1889 and 1890 flu pandemic known as the Russian flu. According to historian John M. Barry, the most vulnerable of all those most likely of the most to die were pregnant women. Wow. He reported that in 13 studies of hospitalized women in the pandemic, the death rate ranged from 23% to 71%. Of the pregnant women who survived childbirth, over one quarter, 26%, lost the child. Wow. Another oddity uh, was that the outbreak was widespread in the summer and autumn in the northern hemisphere. Which is uh, weird because normally the other is usually worse yeah. in the winter. Yeah. Modern analysis has shown that the virus to be particularly deadly because it triggers cytokine storms and overreaction of the body's immune system, which ravages the stronger immune systems of young people. One group of researchers recovered the virus from bodies, frozen victims, and transfected animals with it. The animals suffered rapidly progressive respiratory failure and death through the cytokine storm. The strong immune reactions of young adults were postulated to have ravaged the body, where the weaker immune systems of children and middle-aged adults result in fewer deaths. Was transfection groups. common? Going over to animals? Um, I didn't read anything about that. Because that's interesting. Because normally, like, when you have a disease, like... It goes from one, and then the humans do it. Or, they don't or, transmit it back. well, it's hard for a species to transmit a disease to another one. Like, it, it takes a lot of effort for, like a disease to be in a certain population of species to then go to another species. So like when certain animals um, are interacting with, you know, have a certain disease, like it's different for each, each species, essentially. For example, like humans with HIV that, I mean, when like in the eighties and nineties, when it, we didn't have any sort of like treatments or anything like that, it ravaged our population while like cats have HIV and it's like no big deal. Like you yeah. can have a cat with feline HIV, yes. like, and it's like no big deal. So, you know, there's different populations, different species react differently for each one. So it's hard to, like, your dog has a cough, has the flu, or a cold, or something like that. It, you Doesn't won't get those, people. exactly, because they have different receptors. So. Which is especially frightening because somebody's dog contracted coronavirus. Oh my gosh. <laughs> mm hmm. <laughs> Which is like, if I got coronavirus, can't even hang out with the dogs. Yeah. Can I hang out with the fucking, what, TV? T t just Which, the TV. Just in the house room. <laughs> please. 
at least March 20th. <laughs> I will play Animal Crossing I need for Animal two Animal Crossing, weeks please. Uh, so, yeah, it kills a lot of uh, people that are in their prime. Yeah. A fast-progressing case's mortality was primarily from pneumonia by virus-induced lung consolidation. The slower-progressing cases featured secondary bacterial pneumonia and possibly neural involvement that led to mental disorders in some cases. Some deaths resulted from malnourishment. Ooh. Study conducted by... But that was possibly already a factor to begin with, no? Malnourishment? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the time, one, the war. Yeah. Two, it's just 1918. Mm-hmm. You can't head down to AGB. Why not? Uh, it's not there. A- AGB, uh, Henry Edward Butt has not done anything yet? Has he born yet? I don't know. When was he born? I don't know. <laughs> hey, Google. When was Henry Butt born? Henry VIII was born on June nope. 28, 1491. Oh, my God. It's been since 1491. around since the 1400, 600 years. He was old when he made this grocery Henry store. Henry Edward. Um, this study conducted used a me- mechanism modeling approach to study the three waves of the 1918 pandemic. That's right. Three. Three waves. waves. He was born in 1895. Oh, so he got the flu. I don't know when he started HEB, though. I gotta read. Oh, Howard Edward Butt, not Henry. Ooh. Anyways, continue. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> ASMR. <laughs> they examined the factors that underlie variability in temporal patterns and their correlation to patterns of mortality and morbidity. Their analysis, suge- analysis suggests that temporal variations in transmission rate provide the best explanation and the variations in transmission required to generate these three waves is within biologically plausible values. Uh, yeah. They used a simple epidemic model incorporating three factors to infer and co- the, the cause of the three waves of the 1918 influenza. These factors were school openings and closings, temperature changes throughout the outbreak, and human behavioral changes. Behavioral with a U. <laughs> Uh, in so response you know it's to the really British, uh, or Canadian, like you guys were British. <laughs> no, we had independence. We were just a dominion. Yeah. Okay. Our flag was weird back then. <laughs> uh, the their modeling re- results. I probably didn't. My ancestors were not from Canada at that time. <laughs> we were in Europe, dying from the flu. <laughs> exactly. Um, they were mine. They were not in Europe, though. They were in the United States. Wow, wow. It hurts. It hurts. My heart. My heart. <laughs> My heart. M-U-H. <laughs> um, their modeling results showed that all three factors are important, but human behav- behavioral responses show the most significant effects. Let's talk about the second wave. Oh, boy. Uh, it was much, much deadlier than the first first wave had resembled typical flu epidemics. Those most at, risk, uh, most at risk were the sick, the elderly, and younger and healthy people recovered easily. By August, when the second wave began in France, Sierra Leone, and the United States, the virus had mutated to a much deadlier form. October 1918 was the deadliest month of the whole pandemic. The increased severity had been attributed to the circumstances of the First World War. Civilian life natural selection favors a mild strain. Um, those who get very ill, they stay home, and those who are mildly ill continue with their lives. 
preferentially spreading the virus with the mild strain. In the trenches, natural selection was reversed. Soldiers with a mild strain stayed where they were, while the severely ill were sent on crowded trains to crowded field hospitals spreading the deadlier virus. Second wave began, and the flu quickly spread around the world again. Consequently, during modern pandemics, health officials pay attention to when the virus reaches places with social upheaval, looking for deadlier strains of the virus. The fact that most of those who recovered from the first infection had become immune showed that it might have been the same strain of flu. This was most dramatically illustrated in Copenhagen, which escaped with a combined mortality rate of just 0.29%, 0.02 in the first wave and 0.27 in the second wave, because of the exposure to the less lethal first wave. For the rest of the population, in the second wave was far more deadly, and the most vulnerable, pe vulnerable people were those like the soldiers on the line in the trenches, previously healthy young adults. Mm -mm. Devastated communities, even where the areas, uh, even in areas where the mortality was low, many adults were incapacitated. That much of everyday life was hampered. Yes, because first of all, you're already strained because of war. Mm -hmm. Second of all, you are now dealing with this disease that's ravaging your community. Like, and at the same time, women at this this point, flu weren't even allowed to vote, so they couldn't even work as well. So like. You've got no one else. It's just the men who keep getting sick because they're coming back from these wars. They're all dying. Like, what are you going to do? they get sick. Take they get their everyone families. else to get sick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Some communities closed all stores or required customers to leave orders outside. There were reports that healthcare workers could not tend to the sick, nor the grave diggers bury the dead because they were too ill. Mass graves were dug by steam shovel and bodies buried without coffins in many places. Several Pacific Island territories were particularly hard hit. The pandemic reached them from New Zealand, which was too slow to implement measures to prevent ships such as the SS Tulum carrying the flu from leaving its ports. From New Zealand, the flu reached Tonga, killing 8% of the population, Nauru, 16% of the po population, and Fiji, 5% of the population. Stop. <laughs> Worst affected was Western Samoa, formerly German Samoa, which had been occupied by New Zealand in 1914. 90% of the population was infected. 30% of adult men, 22% of adult women, and 10% of children died. Can you imagine? No, at 10 90% of the people on the island were infected. Yeah, exactly. Who's like everyone, helping like everyone? Coughing, vomiting, pooping, like. Disgusting. Uh, by contrast, Governor John Martin Pover, uh, uh, Poyer presented, prevented the flu from reaching neighboring American Samoa by imposing a blockade. The disease spread fastest through the higher social classes among the indigenous people because of the cost, custom of gathering oral traditions from chiefs on their deathbed. Many community elders were infected through this process. New Zealand, 8.5 thousand deaths were attributed to the 1918 pandemic, resulting in a total population fatality rate of 0.7. Maori were 10 times as likely to die as Europeans because of their poor and more crowded housing and rural population. Ireland, the Spanish flu accounted for 10% of total deaths in 1918. Data analysis revealed that 6,520 recorded deaths in Savannah, Chatham County, Georgia, population of 83,252. It was hard to say that name without 
going slow. No, Savannah, Chatham County, Georgia. <laughs> it's like slows you down. It forces you to slow down. They knew what they were doing, those Southerners. <laughs> uh, what they're naming. <laughs> three, well, I mean, what are their names? Sarah Michelle. Ta- Laura, Elizabeth Lauren. <laughs> Elizabeth Lauren. <laughs> um, the, from a three-year period from January 1st to 19, January 1st, 1917 to December 31st, 1919. Of these deaths, influenza was specifically listed as the cause of death in 316 cases, pre- representing 5% of all causes for death at that local time period. Less affected areas, China. Uh, they expe- experienced a relatively mild flu season in 1918 compared to the other areas of the world and led to the speculation that the 1918 H1N1 uh, originated from China. Uh, thus, there was a greater resistance among Chinese population due to acquired immunity. We said that. Um, although medical records from China's interior were lacking, there were extensive medical records recorded in Chinese port cities such as British-controlled Hong Kong, Canton, Peking, Harbin, Shanghai. The data was uh, collected by Chinese Maritime Customs Service, which was largely staffed by non-Chinese foreigners, such as British, French, and other European colonial officials in China. Uh, The uh, whole accurate data from China's port cities showed how astonishingly low mortality rates were compared to other cities in Asia. Hong Kong and Canton, a mortality rate of 0.25 and 0.32, uh, Calcutta or Bombay was more devastating. Shanghai, population number 2 million in 1918. There were only 266 deaths from influenza. Okay. Uh, in Japan, 257,000 deaths were re- attributed to a fl- uh, influenza by July 1919, giving an estimated 0.4% of mortality rate much lower than nearly every other uh, Asian country for which data was available. Japanese government quickly uh, securely restricted sea travel to and from the home islands when the pandemic struck. And I think at that time they were only recently open to trade with other people. Who, China? Japan. Japan opened in the 1898. In the Pacific, American Samoa and the French colony of New Caledonia also succeeded in preventing a single death. Wow. Through effective quarantine. Good for them. Uh, Australia, 12,000 perished, which is still quite low. Mm-hmm. Um, in the pandemic, and by the end of the pandemic, the isolated island of Morajo in Brazil's Amazon River Delta had not reported an outbreak at all. Santa Helena also reported no deaths. Death toll in Russia is estimated to be about 405,000, though the epidemiologists who suggested the number called it a shot in the dark. <laughs> Uh, if it is correct, Russia that, lo- wasn't that that was at the time they were still oh, having like Bolshevik their revolution. revolution. Yeah, their revolution and like you don't know. Yeah, people people were dying. He died for- of gunshot yeah. wound to head because he <laughs> was coughing. He also has fever. <laughs> uh, okay, fever is gone. I shoot in the head. No problem. No, no problems. Um, there was also a case of aspirin poisoning during this time. Uh, Kevin, uh, Karen Starko in the 2009 paper Clinical Infectious Diseases proposed that aspirin poisoning contributed to substantial fatalities. She based this on the reported system that uh, reported symptoms that dying from the flu as reported in the post-mortem reports still available and also the timing of the big death spike in October 1918. 
This occurred shortly after the Surgeon General of the U.S. and the Journal of American Me Medical Association both recommended very large doses of 8, point or 8 to 31 grams of aspirin per day as part of the treatment. Grams. Yes. How many grams pills are is heavy. That? That's a lot. Because how much is in one? I don't uh, So you've got a milligram. So typically aspirin is like 200 to... Milligrams? No, uh, 200 milligrams. So if you're taking... One aspirin is two grams. So that it's like, <laughs> it's not for the whole day. No, no, mi milli milligrams. So per you, day, a thousand. So that they were taking thirty-one thousand milligrams. So you're looking at thirty-one aspirins. No more than that. Uh, two hundred milligrams. So multiply that by five. You're looking at like fifteen hundred, uh, hundred and fifty pills. I don't think that's even possible. Were yeah. their aspirins bigger? The what? Were their aspirins bigger? I don't know. Well, like they didn't have aspirin. like they didn't aspirin wasn't like a, a was it over the counter pill. Probably? I'm sure it was still a powder. Yeah. yeah. They probably like take this pain painkiller like dissolve a full cup. Just give them heroin your... like they used to in the <laughs> yeah for sure. Slow down their entire breathing yeah. cycle. <laughs> that's perfect for the flu. Yeah, that's fine. Um, these levels uh, produce hyperventilation. In about 33% of patients, as well as lung edema in 3%. Oh, Lord. Because uh, their bodies were shutting down. You're ODing. Uh, the, the author also notes that early deaths showed wet, sometimes hemorrhagic lungs, whereas late deaths showed bacterial pneumonia. She suggests that the wave of aspirin poisonings was due to a perfect storm of events. Bayer's patent on aspirin expired, so many companies were like, <laughs> I can make this shit. <laughs> That's fine. Um, as an explanation for the universally high horn mortality rate, the hypothesis was questioned in a letter to the journal publication in April of 2010 by Andrew Neumer and Daisy Carrion. Such a good drag name. Daisy Carrion. It's like April Carrion's uh, drag daughter. You know, I thought of a good one. What? What's a really popular brand of suitcase? <laughs> Samsung? Samsung Carrion? To uh, me, to me, carry on. No. Mm -hmm. Say it. Leonard no. Paul, carry on. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, these people questioned the universally applicable of applicable. the applicability wow, of aspirin theory, given the high mortality rate in countries such as India, where there was no access to aspirin at the time, compared to the death rate in places where aspirin was plentiful. Um, end of the pandemic. So. At the lethal second wave struck in 1918, new cases dropped abruptly, almost nothing after the peak of the second wave. In Philadelphia, for example, 4,597 4, people died in a week, ending October 16, but by November 11th, influenza had almost disappeared from the city. One explanation for the rapid decline in the lethality of the disease was that doctors were getting better at preventing and treating pneumonia that developed after the victims had contracted the virus. But John Barry stated in his book that researchers have found no evidence to support this. Another theory holds that the 1918 virus mutated extremely rapidly to a less lethal strain. This common occurrence with the influenza viruses. There is a tendency for patho pathogenic uh, viruses to become less lethal with time, as the hosts of more dangerous strains tend to die out. Mm -hmm. Academic Andrew Price Smith has... Ooh, shit. made the argument that the virus helped tip the balance of power in the latter days of the war towards the Allied cause. He provides the data of the new viral waves that hit the Central Powers before they hit the Allied Powers 
and that both morbidity and mortality rate in Germany and Austria were considerably higher than in Britain and France. Despite the high morbidity rate and the mortality rates that resulted from the pandemic, Spanish flu began to fade from public awareness over the decades until the arrival of the bird flu and other pandemics along in 1990-2000s. This has led some historians to label the Spanish flu as a forgotten pandemic. Because they quickly forgot about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like, oh, it happened. Bye. <laughs> there are various theories of why the Spanish flu was forgotten. Rapid pace of the pandemic for which it killed its victims in the United States within less than nine months resulted in a limited media coverage. Also, there is barely any media. <laughs> Uh, the general population. The, the, they had all the what New York Times and journals and stuff like that that were starting at that time, mm-hmm. early 1900s. Did they, I'm sure they had radio, but it was not like a radio no, show it wasn't like that. Yeah. Um, the general population was familiar with patterns of pandemic diseases from the 19th and early 20th century. Uh, typhoid, yellow fever, diphtheria, and cholera all occurred near the same time. These outbreaks probably lessened the significance of the influenza pandemic for the public. In some of the areas the flu was not reported on, the only mention of that being that advertisements for, for medicines were claiming to cure it. And that's basically the influenza. They have a nice little poem. Mm-hmm. Read it. Um, I'm shit. into it. I didn't put it down. Okay. Uh, I'm not read it. <laughs> read it if you want to. They're like, opened up the door and influenza. Ugh. Stop. Influenza. It was a little bird. Her name was Enza. Opened gotcha. up the window and influenza. Well, I have a personal story to this one. You had uh, the you had the nineteen eighteen. No, my so my grandma, um, she lost a lot of like cousins and like relatives and stuff, and her sister to the Spanish influenza. So they lived up in Maine, like in a small town in Maine, that was like not affected by, or shouldn't have been, would not really be affected by these certain things. And she lost, like they died, because and they were healthy young people, like her age. And this was back when she was in. Uh, so she was born in the thir- 30s. So these were like her older siblings. The young. So, you know, it happened. Mm. Ah, love that. I didn't want to stop you to open the window. Yeah, that's fine. Just go for it. Yeah, that's all, that's all I had to say. They died when they were younger. I have no stories about influenza. No, no. It happened. Wash your hands. Wash, yeah, your, wash fucking your fucking hands. hands. You yeah. have to hum birth- happy birthday twice. Simple, simple as that. Honestly, very similar. Mm-hmm. Hope it doesn't go as far as that. No, I don't think so. And I hope it's not a W one, a W uh, curve strain. So far, they have not shown up. It's just no. showing, and they don't, they don't say that like young kids are dying from it either. It's just like older, over the age of seventy or eighty. Uh, you, it also, people who are not necessarily the most healthy individuals, like. I mean, symbols that. Just wash your hands. Take care Can of each other. Can we guarantee that. that China is sharing good information though? No. Exactly. Correct. Exactly. But that is also comparing against other countries that have been hit hard, like Italy. Italy and so, South Korea. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yes, yeah, just one more word from our sponsors. We've got our Woodlawn Theater. 35 years ago, the Miami Sound Machine released the smash hit Conga and took the world by storm with their high-energy music from visionary producer Emilio Estefan and fierce frontwoman Gloria Estefan. Their their incredible story comes to life on their musical, On On Your Your Feet. Feet. We invite you to experience their crowd-pleasing show at San Antonio's Woodlawn Theater from March 20th through April 11th. It's the first time a local theater in Texas is producing the extraordinary musical based on the lives of the legendary husband and wife team. 
the duo's creative vision and dynamic Cuban-infused sound earned them 26 Grammy Awards throughout their career and a lifetime of fans. See On Your Feet! At the historic Woodlawn Theater, opening March 20th. For ticket information, visit woodlawntheater.org or call 210-267-8388. Enter the code CONGA when buying tickets online or mention it when calling the box office and receive 10% off your purchase price. See On on Your your Feet feet. only at the Woodlawn Theater. Yes, God. Let's talk more about spooky things and get this going. So (laughs) I have to say, I looked up, since it is... Internet. So I have to say, I when I was looking for my topic, since it is International Women's Month, I was like, let's go ahead and do uh, like women murders. <laughs> oh my God, I love women murders. <laughs> so, but when I googled it, I found a topic that actually like really interested me. Uh, ended up being a family. So we're gonna talk about the Kelly family. Uh, have you heard of the Kelly family? Yeah, they're all named Kelly. So the Kelly family were four members consisting of the father William Kelly, who was fifty-five, mother Kate Kelly, didn't define her age, uh, son Billy Kelly, who was twenty, and Kit Kelly, their sister or daughter, uh, eighteen, who moved to moved from Pennsylvania to Kansas in eighteen sixty-nine. What about Kelly Kelly? Ke- they didn't have Kelly Kelly, surprisingly. <sighs> yeah, uh, they Missed moved. Opportunity. I know you could have had two names. Uh, they moved uh, around the southern border of uh, Kansas until. Settling in the Panhandle, uh, not Kansas, Oklahoma. What the fuck? Um, in the Pan or the Panhandle? Panhandle. What? The Pan? No, the Panhandle. Like the little square part. Um, Such a small area. Yeah. Uh, around 25 miles from Beaver, Oklahoma. They That's soon. A, there's a lot of uh, <laughs> lesbians. Whoa, we're all thinking whoa, whoa. <laughs> So they soon opened a tavern where they began welcoming travelers and cattlers alike. Although they were illiterate, they seemed like an ordinary, hardworking family. <laughs> until <laughs> until they started reading books <laughs> over a span of a few months estimated between september and december of 1887 people began to disappear along the road to the kelly, kelly tavern there was no suspicion that fell on the family as there was a lot going on in the 1880s for example the you know indian movements essentially or native american movements uh, yellow fever. You know, yellow, there's a lot of shit, and uh, this is right after the Civil War. Like, we got a lot of shit going on in America also, right now. It's Oklahoma. Yeah, and you're in Gold? the middle of, middle of nowhere. Everyone's dying in, in the. <laughs> Everyone's mi- dying. Yeah, everyone's dying. Uh, but then the family disappeared in December of 1887, and the tavern shut its doors suddenly without notifying anywhere, anyone. So a traveler from, from St. Louis named S.T. Gregg, it doesn't have a real name, just S.T. Gregg. It's uh, S.T. But yeah, he's a man, so he can't go by yesterday. <laughs> Who had visited the tavern before, wanted to stop in again since he'd been there before. When he entered the house, he was hit with a foul odor. 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 <laughs> a foul odor. Oh, my I God. I hate when it got a foul odor. Them cows out there are just yeah, got so foul. foul. Odor. Uh, coming from a, cell, uh, a hidden cellar underneath the house, the bodies of three men already in an advanced state of decomposition were found, as well as a trap door under the tavern's floor. So, like, the main tavern floor, he's like, that's a fucking trap door. I don't know if it's just you reading this story, but you sound significantly more southern. You mean to be more southern? Under that trap door. Greg immediately contacted the authorities, leading to search parties pouring into the tavern, all led by a cowboy named Texie. Oh, my... <laughs> Taxi. Is it really Texie? Texie, yeah. T E X Y? Yeah. 
Oh, I love that name. While digging around for additional bodies, they focused on an area of loose dirt and found another body with a broken skull, believed to have been caused from an attack from an axe. Further digging discovered seven additional bodies, two of which were women. Seven additional <laughs> bodies, <laughs> two of which were women. women. Although a majority of the victims were decomposed beyond recognition, three of them were identified from their clothing. We've got Jim Coven, a cattleman whose business spanned in the area. Clothing. <laughs> no, Coven. C O V E N. Come down. If you, say, if you hear the word clothing, please say clothing. <laughs> clothing. <laughs> They're clothing. Coven. Uh, a cattleman whose business spanned in the area of in the area and in Texas, J. T. Taylor, a missing wealthy drummer from Chicago, oh, and he put a, that on his like. Yeah, that's that's, that's what he got. Job. That's what he a, got. A, a drummer. drummer from Chicago, a Texan merchant named Johnson. That's all we got. Johnson, an old rusty axe with human flesh on its blade was also found, presumed to be the murder weapon. 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 So there are two broadly accepted stories of the fate of the Kayleys after their discovery that they were murderers. Soon after the discoveries, information from Beaver came that all four of the Kelly family had passed through town a few days ago en route to New Mexico. It was noted that they were driving a span of several horses and appeared to have a lot of money on them. Several horses. Several horses. There's four of them. For them. Oh, they had seven horses? Several. Oh. Is my accent getting in the way? <laughs> no, it's just I don't like the word several, and when people say several, I automatically think seven. Oh. That's a weird number to go for. <laughs> it's literally several. Several can be more than, like, two. How many letters off of from, is it, how many letters off is it from seven? It's seven letters. Several. Is seven letters. If you take off the R-A-L and put it in there. Well, also, several is seven letters long. A posse of 20 men were quickly organized, and the family's trail led to Paladura Creek, from where it appeared that their route had changed toward Wheeler, Texas. After a while, the posse cut up with them and engaged in a two-hour-long chase. Eventually, Kate Kelly's horse tripped, and she fell to the ground, breaking her neck in the process. She was quickly left behind, and an hour and a half later, the vigilantes, which I guess is apparently not a bad thing at this time, were caught up with Bill and Kit, but William managed to escape. So the father. Upon capture, Kit began pleading for mercy, only to be told off by her brother for being as, for being as complicit in the murders as he was. Two ropes were procured, and the duo were prepared to be hanged on a nearby tree. Two ropes? Two ropes. Ropes. Moments before they were hanged, Kit whispered to Bill if she should tell them everything, only for her brother to curse at the posse and encourage them to find out for themselves. Subsequently, the witch. Subsequently, they were both left hanging on the tree. The vigilantes then chased after William, whose horse left behind a trail because it was shod only in the front. So had the back horseshoes. Hooves. No, sh- horseshoes on the front only. Oh. Yeah, not in the back. Eventually, they caught up with him. Yeah. (laughs) Eventually, they caught up with him only after firing two shots at the fugitive. He gave up, stopped, and dismounted from his horse. The group quickly surrounded him, and the leader surrounded the criminal to confess all of his sins. Allowed the criminal to confess all his sins. 
William proceeded to explain their family history but claimed to have moved towards Texas because of crimes in the area denying any part in the killings. Dissatisfied, he was quickly hanged for a bit before being lowered down and asked to confess. Finally, he did, telling that all of the family members had taken part where the money was stored and that they killed nine men and two women. The elderly Kelly was then stripped of all his belongings, including a gold watch belonging to J.T. Taylor, and was left to hang. The second story was told by Charles Duncan, a cattleman from Wichita, retold from a friend who had been present at the scene. According to Duncan, a party of seven were on the Kellys' trail, tracking them to a partially protected ravine before deciding to camp for the night. One of the men, named Metcalf, Mm-hmm. No, Jesse. Noticed that there was a dugout with a wagon in it and notified the others present to build a fire when he went with the intention to inquire about the fugitives. At about 100 meters from the dugout, he was fired upon, and, the, and Metcalf immediately ducked to the ground. Uh, he caught the attention of the vigilantes, who immediately circled... Oh, I lost my accent. He caught the he, shot, he caught the attention of the vigilantes who who immediately circled the dugout with their horses while Metcalf was retrieving his. Upon his return, he devised a plan in which three of the men had to dig a hole in the dugout in order to entrap the Kellys. This proved successful, but one of the men was so badly injured that he passed away from his wound. Using their wagon, which was full of hay, the men lit it on fire and pushed it down the dugout, engulfing the Kellys' wagon in flames. The vigilantes set up in firing position and observed as Kate Kelly exited the dugout. She came out with her clothes on fire and swearing, brandishing same. a <laughs> same <laughs> at the eagle. <laughs> <laughs> Literally every day. <laughs> Light my clothes on fire, head on outside, and go to work. Just living life. Fuck! <laughs> she, she came out with her clothes on fire and swearing, brandishing a revolver in one hand. In a matter of minutes, she was shot down by the cowboys. Also, if you're on fire, probably don't grab a gun. <laughs> Gunpowder is, uh, I believe it's extremely flammable. Blow up her hand. Well, I mean, I guess it's... Just the same as if you were going to die. By Let her shot. live her life. Uh, moments later, Bill came out. Uh, his he his hair and slouch hat were on fire. His arm broken in two places with a revolver in the other. However, he refused to shoot, much to the pleasure of the cowboys. Right after him, his father, William, appeared with both of his hands up, begging for mercy. Why is the father the one that gets away in both know. of these? I don't know. Like Everyone like, else is like, kill the wife. Don't really care about those kids. Just They're don't all take dead. me alive. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, he took the revolver from Bill and asked for the vigilantes to come tie them up, begging for his life in the process. William answered every question asked of him, telling them that Kit had died back at their house some weeks ago, and Kate wished to leave the premises. In contrast, his son Bill refused to budge, denouncing his father as a coward and asking of the men to kill him first for his cowardice. Displeased by his behavior, the vigilantes tied a rope around his neck with the other end tied to a saddle. The horse was scared off and began galloping away with Bill unable to, to get the rope off but still cursing the men until he eventually suffocated. While the men were enjoying that sight, William slipped away and got a horse, successfully escaping. When they noticed his absence, the vigilantes chased after him, captured him, forced him to confess, and after he did so, left him hang on a tree. So the modus operandi... <laughs> Modus, Modus operandi. operandi. 
was that they would determine if a traveler was wealthy first, and if so, either William or Bill, sometimes Kit, would open conversation with the travelers while Kate would prepare a meal. The victim's chair would then be positioned over the trap door, and when the signal was given, the trap door would swing open and the victims would fall, either to their death or they'd finish them off with an axe. And that's the story of the Kelly family. Of the Kelly family. Oh my God, thank you for doing an accent You're welcome. the whole time. Yeah. Dusty, did you like that? <laughs> Chris got an accent this time. That's the only one that Chris knows how to do. <laughs> I know, deep southern accent. Welcome to shirts. <laughs> there are still some things where I'd be like, Modus operandi. Randy. Operandi. Yeah, that's, I, I guess I'm not. We don't know those city words. I'm not listen. unintelligent enough to not say them correctly. <laughs> Except for a uh, fucking Mal. Mal. <laughs> Milady. Milady. This god dang Milady. <laughs> god dang old Milady. Dang old god Boomhauer. <laughs> wow. So that was good, right? That was I a like cute that. little story. Yeah. Apparently that like is related to some other killings that happened it in Kansas. Like Lizzie Borden. Uh, no, she killed the family with an axe. No, that's a different one. But yes, very similar to that. Or um, Wild Bill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. No, that was good. It, like I liked it and because it was like, oh, look, a cute fa- family that kills together stays together. <laughs> and then they all die together. <laughs> I feel like that's going to be like a sign that somebody makes with fence boards. Yeah. And it's just like in cursive, but every in blood, every cursive is different. Yeah. Uh, one question about the, the second theory that I had was that they were like, Oh yeah. Kit died back at the house, but they didn't ever find Kit's body. So I don't think so. But every time they confessed to 11 killings and there was 11 bodies found. So, well, you never know how people died back then. Yeah. I mean, And I really would like it to not be done by vigilantes. I know. So, like, the, the term vigilantes is, is actually, like, like vigilante justice and, like, you know, people who are... Mob mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, like, vigilantes... The modern day does, canceling. Yeah. So, it doesn't necessarily mean that, like, it was bad back then. But, like, nowadays, vigilantes is not the good term that we have. So, yeah, there's that. There's mm. that. There is that. You need vigilantes? Why don't you call economy works? <laughs> they don't have any vigilantes. Uh, the economy have... works is actually a freelance talent network. <laughs> they connect professionals with project work. So if you're a company that needs help with writing job descriptions, conducting market analysis, and managing your social media platforms, economy works has an extensive talent network of freelance professionals. Freelance professionals. Three. Three. Three freelance <laughs> professionals with over 800 hours. What? That's hours? a lot. Years. I don't have time for that. 800 years of I experience. I don't have 800 hours in my life. But Economy's here. You do. Economy Works is here to help. Yeah. I mean, if you want somebody to, to do something for those mm. 800 hours, Economy Works can help you do more with less. Yes. Economy Works. When we work, the, the economy, economy works. works. Find out more at economyworks.com. That's E-C-O-N-O-M-I-W-O-R-K-S.com. Love that. Um, also, give a shout out to our sister podcast, Let's Talk About Gay Stuff, because they're doing International Women's Month as well, uh, even though mm-hmm. I did not necessarily do a great job at that, but, you know, you're getting somewhere. Uh, <laughs> we got some female murderers. <laughs> we got some women murderers out there. They've got yeah. that power, yeah, no, you know. No, no, no. I, I think for, like, like March 22nd, they're going to do Eileen Mornos. Oh, no, they're not. No, Absolutely they're not. not. Please don't. Um, no. we already gonna, did that. <laughs> they're going to provide a lot of... Uh, stories and uh, daily updates about important women mm. in LGBT uh, history. LGBTQ+. And I, love plus. And the, we, I have loved, like every, like I say, I will harbor on this point 
every single day. They post every single day. They post a story every single day. They post a post every single day that has full on history, full on like breakdown of everything. Read their posts, read what what's on the actual picture. Intelligent information. I impress a lot of people actually from listening to their podcast, talking this weekend, talking about um, uh, something they talked about on their podcast. Oh, gay stuff. Yeah, oh, surprise. It was gay stuff. Uh, but no, it was really like the fact that like I learned something from them and was able to talk about it. Like it's one of those things, like a conversation topic. And so helps you spread LGBT awareness. So yeah. go for it. Let's give it a listen. Good lead up to um, our month that's coming in. June. Oh, yeah, June. Yeah, it's coming almost here. I know, May. Beginning of May is a year for our sweet podcast. Oh. <laughs> we got to think of something big for we that. Gotta, yeah, we got to do something big. Um, yeah, our spoopy podcast, you say? <laughs> Where is should that? we follow us on our spoopy podcast? You want to go to our website. That's ourspoopypodcast.com. Uh-huh. You want to see some pictures? You should go to Instagram.com slash ourspoopypodcast. Um, say if I want to like share with my friends and family. Like on Facebook? Yeah. Oh, you could go to Facebook.com slash R spoop. Wow. What if I want to share it with a bunch of idiots? Um, Twitter. So that would be uh, Twitter.com slash R spoopy. Oh, what if y. I want to be just like direct, just like, like. Like slide into the DMs, yeah, you know? Yeah, slide into the DMs. Uh, you could email us at R podcast at gmail.com. You know, we would love all of those things. All of those. Please give us attention. We love it. Uh, honestly. <laughs> Whore for attention. Yeah. Major. Too much. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a successful episode. That was good. That was cute. Chris is it. tired, so we got to... Uh, yeah, sleepy. We, yeah. We've recorded a little bit today. <laughs> Hashtag love you guys. Love you guys. And remember to, to get, get spoopy, spoopy with, with it. it.